This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You know what the Mets need right now? One of those Peloton instructors screaming at them about how they got this. Keep grinding. Come on, Peloton. I see you, Alonzo 20. Keep that heart rate steady, skipper for you. 45 more games. Come on now. Rise and shine. Step and glow, y'all. Let's do this. No ego, amigo. The Mets are not even a quarter of the way through this scheduling nightmare of all L.A. and San Francisco. We'll break it down, see how it's going, and whether or not you own a Peloton is kind of immaterial. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while coffee is brewing now. Here's Josh Lewin, a scoodly down. Quitting is a luxury we can't afford. Inhale confidence, exhale doubt. You can either be sore tomorrow or sorry tomorrow. Which do you choose? These phrases are among the reasons I personally do not own a Peloton. The other is I don't want sweat all over my rug. I'm, I'm funny that way. Josh Lewin with you. Here is what we do besides shout-out phrases that you also find written in script on wooden signs at Marshall's. We break down what's going on with the Mets, giving you stats and info and opinion and sound bites and highlights and look ahead. So are you ready? Yes or yes? Sorry, that is the last one. Uh, We do this every day, Monday through Friday. Mondays are always stuffed full since we have to review an entire weekend's worth of games. The degree of difficulty of this patch of scheduling, as you may know, is 10 out of 10. The Dodgers, second in baseball and runs a game. They're fourth in on-base plus slugging. They lead baseball in ERA. The Mets just played him three times. They're about to play him four more times. And tonight, they play at the one team that's even better than the Dodgers. And they'll do it on very little sleep. Now, some good news. Once the Mets complete this nightmare run August 26th, they get eight of their next 11 against the Nationals, who have lost 11 out of 12. They're playing without... Uh, pretty much everybody. It's Juan Soto, Victor Robles, and 23 extras from a movie set. So as for what's now, the Mets are, not unlike new kids on the block from 25 years ago, hanging tough. They were two swings away from taking the first two games of the Dodgers series this past weekend. And we'll get into what happened Sunday soon enough as well. But big picture, I think most every Met fan agreed you're probably not going to emerge from this two-week hike through the thistles unscratched and unscathed there will be neosporin necessary to heal some wounds but how many wounds and how deep would those wounds cut were probably the best questions six and seven or five and eight we all agreed was maybe a reasonable expectation just tread water stay close you can start to win some games against teams that aren't as jam-packed with talent yeah the dodgers were in without mookie Betts and a lot of their pitching but trey turner and scherzer keep this the majors most talented roster and the Mets were looking at these 13 games without DeGrom at least a good portion without Lindor who knows when they'll have Baez back and ready to rock the Mets parking Baez on the IL till at least next week and who knows when we'll see DeGrom if at all this year that 1.08 ERA is basically frozen in place 
The Mets without DeGrom, Lindor, and Baez needing to grab at least one of the home games against the Mookie Free Dodgers. Keep in mind, the Mets recently had an 18-game streak of scoring five runs or fewer. Longest streak like that for the team since May of 2013. That's a lineup that featured Ruben Tejada leading off and Ike Davis hitting cleanup. But still, Pete Alonso has been a one-man-up-with-people parade with his catchphrase of don't just believe it, know it. Sounds very much like Judge Reinhold in Fast Times at Ridgemont High when he was working at All-American Burger. Alonzo is paid to write a monthly blog for City, if you didn't know that. And uh, he wrote most recently, quote, It is impossible to be successful in a result-oriented and incentivized game when thinking only about results. I know everyone reading this article has struggled with school, relationships, and work at some point. The only difference between you, the reader, and me is my work is on the television. I'm so beyond thankful for what I do, and I've sacrificed so much to be where I am. I know that you, the fans, have also made sacrifices for work, for your family and loved ones, and to better yourself. All of us on this earth cannot live a highlight reel daily. It's impossible. The best we can do is work our asses off to put ourselves in the best position to succeed. So, number one, don't doubt us now. Number two, celebrate victory and learn from losses. Number three, be thankful and appreciate the joys in each day. And four, as always, LFGM. It's like Ted Lasso and Tony Robbins had a kid. <laughs> the, uh, the cynics, of course, uh, very quick to point out that heading into this gauntlet, the Dodgers had outscored opponents by 180 runs, the Giants by 140. The Mets, for reference, were at minus 14. But let's go. Let's LFGM our way into the weekend recap with our personal Peloton instructor, Pete Alonso. Friday, admittedly, was not awesome. I will give you that one, because first we learned Jacob DeGrom will be shut down for at least two more weeks. Then in the game, wearing black jerseys in front of nearly 40,000, the Mets got sack flied to death early on. Three of those things by L.A. in the first five innings. They led 4 nothing on Tyler McGill. And it felt like it could have been even more for L.A. It felt like a soccer game where it was 1-0 at the half, but the other team had hit the crossbar twice and missed a penalty kick. Conforto had come in hot, five for his last 10. He got his chance off the bench in the seventh, two outs, nobody on. Doubled into the right field corner, scored on a Dom Smith single off a lefty. And what Dom has done against lefties this year has been tremendous. And as for Conforto, he's hit the ball harder in each of these past three months. Exit velos climbing from 87 miles an hour to 89 to 91 the last three months. Brandon Nimmo walked to bring Pete Alonso to the plate as the potential tying run on Polar Bear Pete Alonso superhero bobblehead night. While pitch moving the runners, Dave Roberts orders an intentional walk to Alonso, loads the bases for Jeff McNeil. Got the tying run on base to get to the platoon advantage, lefty versus lefty, and it did not work out for old Doc Roberts. McNeil blooped two-run single to center, made it 4-3. to three. We'll hear from him in just a bit. In came Blake Trinan, a right-hander to face J.D. Davis. Alonzo now at third. Trinan ready is 1-1 pitch. Fastball goes to the backstop. Coming home to score is Alonzo. The throw to the plate won't be made. The game is tied. A wild pitch. And Alonzo pumps his fist and yells at the crowd as the Mets have scored four here in the bottom of the seventh inning. It's 4-4 at City Field. Wayne Randazzo with the call on WCBS. Shades of David Wright pumping his fist after scoring that big run at Washington Labor Day 2015. And yes, the Mets with a four-run seventh had tied it up from out of nowhere. It stayed 4-4 until the old ghost runner 10th inning. 
and L.A. losers of 11 straight and extras somehow getting a big hit from a fresh prince. Familia's pitch. Swing a high fly. That's deep to left. Smith is back for it. He watches it go. Home run, Will Smith. And the Dodgers have taken a 6-4 lead here in the top of the 10th inning. It was a fastball that ran in, stayed on the upper part of the plate, and Will Smith just turned and ripped his 16th home run of the season. His three RBIs tonight, 55 on the year. And the Dodgers have gone ahead by two here in the 10th inning. 17 of 40 career home runs for Smith, 7th inning and beyond. And he would be an irritant to this entire series. 6-4 Dodgers after the Mets scored in the 10th on Jonathan Villar's one-out grounder. Well, the Mets had a runner at second. And again, Dave Roberts had a Met intentionally walked with a potential winning run on base. Pinch hitter Tomas Nito, final position player, could have been some kind of hero with an extra base hit, but he had a first pitch fly ball to left field, and that was that. The Dodgers, who had lost 11 straight in extras, get this one. Kenley Jansen pitched two innings for the first time since May of 2018. After the game, here was the squirrel. Hey, Jeff, how do you guys come out of a game feeling after, um, you know, obviously not getting the result that you want, but having that type of a comeback against that team and, and uh, pushing it. What is what is the kind of final feeling after a night like tonight? Uh, yeah, no, it was tough. Um, you know, everyone wants to win, um, but, you know, there's a lot of positives in that game, uh, you know, being down you know, 4 nothing and, um, you know, clawing back and fighting back. And, um, you know, we were right there. You know, had the win run plate uh, in the last inning. So, um, you know, we were right there. You know, played well. We're going to, um, you know, hopefully um, gonna play well tomorrow and, uh, you know, get some wins. You're hitting the seventh off the bat. Did you think that that was falling in? Uh, you know, I hit it. I didn't hit it very well, but uh, you know, those are the ones that drop sometimes. So, uh, you know, it got a good pitch to hit. Um, you know, I took a good swing on it. Just uh, you know, kind of didn't break as much as I thought I was going to, and um, you know, got jammed a little bit. But uh, you know, I was lucky enough for it to uh, you know fall in there. Thank you, Jeff McNeil. So do you credit the Mets for coming back even if they didn't win? Or do their efforts not mean much because of the loss? Is this one going to be a metaphor? Yeah, they're plucky. Sure, they're resilient. But no, they can't do everything they need to actually win. Hopefully that's not a big picture thing. The Mets at this point were a half game behind Philly and Atlanta. All three teams tied in the loss column, which brought us along to Saturday. Walker versus Walker. Taiwan Walker against Walker Bueller. It's like when Garrett Cole would face Cole Hamels back in the day. Pitching matchup, Cole Hamels. By any name, the Mets needed someone to step up and carry the load as a starter because going into Saturday, 33 starts since DeGrom's last appearance, Mets starters were 3-13 and with a 5.11 ERA. And let me repeat that for you kids in the back of the room. Three wins in 33 starts from the rotation since the 7th of July. So what happened in this one? Walker, whose ERA was 10 since the All-Star break, went out and presented the deepest Mets no-hitter since Stephen Matz exactly five years before Saturday night. In fact, it was dueling no-hitters until Michael Conforto kept up the blazing hot August he's put together, eighth home run of the year off the reigning NL Pitcher of the Month, one nothing Mets into the seventh, and the first home run in 55 innings allowed by Bueller. The only starters with an ERA as good as his since the All-Star break, Jamison Tyone, and would you believe Matt Harvey? Seriously. 
Anyway, no hitter still intact for Taiwan Walker until he hung a slider to that guy, Will Smith, who hit it 444 feet into the second deck in left center. So now tied at one into the 10th. Second straight journey into the great beyond with ghost runners and bonus baseball. And in the Dodgers, 10th, after Seth Lugo had pitched a scoreless ninth. Yezny, not Edwin Diaz, giving up a line drive double by the suddenly resurgent Cody Bellinger. Ghost runner scores. Mets go down with a whimper in their half. They lose 2-1 to one while both Philly and Atlanta had won their game. So a game and a half out of first. And Luis Rojas, who had been ejected for a fifth time this season, leading the majors, was asked about making that decision to go with Diaz for that fateful 10th inning. Lugo, one run allowed his last 11 and two-thirds. Couldn't he have at least uh, started the 10th inning after the scoreless ninth? Well, uh, I knew it was going to be hard for Seth to throw two after uh, going two ups uh, two days ago. He had one and two-thirds, uh, and then yesterday he was down, and then coming in today throwing an inning. Um, yeah, I knew it was going to be just hard to come back up and throw multiple innings in, in twice in three days. So uh, that's that's why he couldn't come back, and, uh, and we went to Yancey. A really tough loss since the Mets finally got a dominant game from a starter, but the Mets were matched against a guy who was on a mission. Bueller's a bulldog, and he struck out 10. He threw an old-school 109 pitches. It would not get easier Sunday because the Mets were about to face Mad Max. But first, let's hear from Taiwan Walker who had just no hit the defending world champions through six innings. Uh, like I've been saying, I feel like I've been going in the right direction the last couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, the results have been, been what I want them to be, uh, but body-wise, um, arm-wise, uh, velo and everything about my stuff has been getting better and better uh, since the All-Star break, and it's just been going in the right direction, and um, I feel like I'm in a good, really good place right now. Final line for Taiwan Walker Saturday. Two hits across six and two-thirds. He struck out eight on the night. He retired 18 of the first 20 he faced. The signature splitter was really good, but again, the offense just couldn't get out of neutral, and that set up the Sunday night ESPN game, Carlos Carrasco against Max Scherzer. Let's do a little reset on Scherzer for the uninitiated, the the Gargamel to the Mets Smurf Nation here. Since City Field opened, only Scherzer's former teammate Gio Gonzalez, remember him, has a lower ERA at City Field, minimum 10 starts. The two Mets that place after Gonzalez and Scherzer are DeGrom and Seth Lugo, who are tied. Do you guys know Seth Lugo's career, City Field ERA as a starter, is the exact same as DeGrom's? It's true, it's true. So against Scherzer Sunday night, my pick to click going in, the Mets' secret weapon, the kryptonite to this multicolored eyeballed Superman, Michael Conforto, the active player with the best OPS against Mad Max, 1125, meaning he's been Vlad Guerrero Jr. plus one when he faces Max Scherzer. The all-time best against Scherzer, somehow Shinsu Chu had a 1792 OPS against Scherzer. 30 plate appearances. He reached 20 times with a batch of extra base hits in there. And I have to interrupt with, with the horrible dad joke I, I made when Shinsu Chu first made the majors with Seattle. I told my partner on Texas Rangers TV, Tom Grieve, about how he'd been uh, toiling in the minor leagues for six years, blah, blah, blah. But now, sure enough, here he is, big league Chu. Thank you. Did you know originally Shinsu Chu named his firstborn son San Antonio. It's where he was playing in double-A. He thought the city's name was just so beautiful, and he and his wife thought San Antonio Chu 
should be the young lad's name. Uh, cooler heads did prevail because that, that kid would have gotten his butt kicked in school a lot. All right, that is the last tributary off the river here, I promise. The last ADD moment, I swear. The Mets, 4-18, and 18, their last 22 against L.A. into Sunday night. And the Mets were hoping for five strong innings out of Carlos Carrasco, but he was down 6 nothing, four outs along, meaning his last two and two-thirds innings at that point, 10 earned runs, allowing home runs to Juan Soto, Justin Turner, Will Smith, Max Muncie, and you stake Max Scherzer to a 6 nothing lead after one and a half. You're just kind of up against it, eh? Jake Reed, former Dodger and husband of an Olympic softball player, came on in relief, kept it 6 nothing. The Mets, meantime, rolling along. To an O for their last 25 with men on base at one point. Not a lot of encouragement for a comeback. My pick to click, Conforto. Didn't really click. Nobody clicked. Uh, The Mets started out 0 for 12 with runners in scoring position. Never did solve Max Scherzer. Even though, strangely, the Dodgers kept throwing to the wrong bases early. Very weird little virus they came up with. But the Mets never took advantage. They were down 9-2 in the bottom of the seventh. Actually had the bases loaded one out. McNeil scored on a wild pitch. Bases reloaded. J.D. Davis 0 for 3. Three punch outs for the night. A deep sack fly to make it 9-4. The Mets at that point with four runs in on two ground outs, a sack fly, and a wild pitch not exactly a lot of pizzazz how bad did it get from there brandon drury pinch hitter extraordinaire was used as a pinch pitcher a dancing knuckleball got a couple quick outs but then an hbp and a long home run by matt Beatty. mets were down 14 to 4 at that point drury was relieved with two outs and the bases loaded a second position player was asked to come on kevin pilar that's the kind of night it was. First time in Mets history, two position players were used to pitch. In the end, big nights for the two Dodger Maxes, Scherzer and Muncie. Six strong innings for the former, a two-home run night for the latter. Mets lose badly and get swept. So now the Mets head west and try to climb Mount McKinley while wearing an old pair of Crocs. Let's pull back on Google Maps and get a better view from up top on how tall this mountain really is for the Mets right now. The starters they're going to face in a two-week stretch. They've already seen Julio Urias, Walker Bueller they're going to get twice, Scherzer they're going to get twice. Then it's Kevin Gossman, 11-5, 2.2 ERA. Logan Webb twice, 6-3 with a 2.9. Anthony DiSclefani twice, he's 10-5 with a 3.2. And then for good measure, former Cy Young Award winner David Price, who's 4-1 with a 3.6. You would expect Randy Johnson or Steve Carlton to come out of retirement here. This is just an absolute capital G gauntlet. The worst starter they're going to face for two weeks is a former number one overall pick and Cy Young winner in price. And remember, the Mets cannot afford to go something like 3-10 and 10 here because that would likely bury them pretty deep under the Phillies and or the Braves. This is like that level of the video game that you get to that only the experts know how to navigate. It is one thing to get through Like the first three levels of Donkey Kong from back in the day, it is quite another to be dodging barrels around level 18. The gorilla starts firing barrels again tonight. It is a 9.45 first pitch East Coast time from bucolic and also sometimes frigid San Francisco. Once the sun sets, it is hooded parka time. It is not pullover sweatshirt time. And what you need to know about the ball club occupying 24 Willie Mays Plaza is that surprisingly, They are really, really good. Gabe Kapler, very definition of a new age manager. And uh, we will have time tomorrow to go deep on a very deep thinker. But suffice to say, Kapler has been pinch hitting and platooning and working those puppet strings like a maestro all year. 
Kapler is so different than the manager they used to have. The Sam Elliott sounded like Bruce Bochy, who was kind of a cross between John Wayne and the Marlboro Man. Gabe Kapler is yoga and crystals and hummus, and the only John Wayne comp is that he, I think he used to live by John Wayne Airport down in Orange County. Bochy's a future Hall of Famer, in my opinion. Kapler is a future resident of Santa Fe, New Mexico. But he's doing amazing work, and his team is playing tremendous baseball. We're going to see a team that Kapler used to play for in about a month at Fenway, the Boston Red Sox. And the Red Sox and Giants, they had similar runs last decade, and now this year both enjoying bounce-back years. One team with the Estremsky in its past, one team with the Estremsky in its present. World Series titles in 04, 07, and 13 for the Red Sox. And then again, of course, uh, not too long after that, with a great group of homegrown players like Pedroia at first and Ellsbury and Euclid and Bogarts, who's still, of course, a big part of it. Uh, For the Giants, it was World Series titles in 2010, 12, and 14. They're a great core group of homegrown players, some of them still around, like Posey and Crawford and Belt. And back then it was Bumgarner and Kane and Lincecum and like that. Anyway, this year they were a team uh, picked to finish third or fourth in its division. Best record in baseball instead. That is amazing. Renaissance years from those older guys we talked about like Crawford and Posey. Tremendous pitching across the board. And for the first time in a long time, really productive play from its outfield. You old timers will know this from Willie Mays to the lesser but effective talents of Gary Maddox and Gary Matthews. The Giants used to churn out all-star outfielders, but the the last homegrown Giants all-star outfielder, would you believe former Mets hitting coach Chili Davis more than 30 years ago? Barry Bonds wasn't homegrown. He came up with Pittsburgh. Cody Ross, that idiot Aubrey Huff, Pat Burrell, even Mike Kostremski, all of them started somewhere else. Let's spend just a minute waxing nostalgic about Willie Mays while we can. Of course, he ended his career in Queens as a shell of what he once had been, but what he was was maybe the best all-around baseball player of all time. Ran down fly balls like he was on a motorcycle, 12-time gold glover, but remember that award wasn't created until 1957. Mays broke in five years before that, so had the award been around the whole time, he probably would have had 17 gold gloves. He had 660 home runs, but he missed two years due to service in the military, and he played all those games at Candlestick Park where sure home runs were knocked down by the wind. And there are many who say that with different circumstances, Barry Bonds would have been muscling in not on Aaron, but on his godfather, Willie Mays, for that home run record years ago. The swagger of Willie Mays. Even when he struck out, it was like, yeah, I struck out, but I'm, I'm still Willie Mays. And maybe that's how to tie all this together now that we've reached the end of the pod for today. That's the swagger Pete Alonso has been preaching. That's the whole don't just believe it, know it mentality the Mets will need to power their way through this current challenge. Again, 945 first pitches tonight and tomorrow, either on WCBS Radio or SNY TV. Let's stay upbeat and let's meet that Mets in the Morning House band you've come to know and tolerate on keyboards. It's Damian Easley slapping the bass. It's Grant Roberts. The horn section, Tim Bogar. And on drums, ladies and gentlemen, Butch Husky. This is Josh Lewin inviting you to channel your inner Pete Alonzo. Keep on believing and knowing and keep on tuning into the definitive podcast about your baseball team of choice, the New York Mets. In the morning.